Welcome to To Know the Love of Christ. Hello and welcome back to To Know the Love of Christ. So if you were with us on last episode, we discussed um, the death of John the Baptist and how it was neat to see in verses 14 through 29. It was almost like a little flashback scenario for um, King Herod. Um, We also discussed how we saw some of Herod's heart um, because he was um, sad that he had made such a foolish vow to Herodias's daughter when she when um Herodias asked for John the Baptist's head on the platter and so we talked about where we saw the love of Christ and we saw John the Baptist today we are going to be discussing Mark chapter 6 verses 30 through 44 all right thanks Brittany so as Brittany mentioned we just finished a flashback where we learn what happened to John the Baptist how he died and um, the implications of that. And we see at the very last verse of that, that John's disciples came and got his body. Now it doesn't say it in this passage. Um, It immediately jumps to the apostles returning to Jesus um, and them telling them all that he had, that they had done and taught. But if you look in Matthew 14, um, specifically in verses 13 through 14, that's a parallel there. So I'm going to grab that really quick. At, sorry, let's start back in verse 12 of chapter 14. It says, And his disciples came and took the body and buried it, and they went and told Jesus. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Um, I'll just stop right there, but that's the parallel to where we're at in Mark, and I hadn't really noticed that before, and I kind of made a connection that I hadn't really thought about before. The apostles coming back and telling him about what all they'd done was a like a spiritual high for his ministry, but hearing about his cousin's death would have been a very, very spiritual low in his ministry, and that would have been... I mean, thinking about us as humans, Jesus was fully human. That would have been really hard. You know, having that that high of a high and that low of a low at the same time, that would have been very emotionally overwhelming. Um, Either one of those things by themselves, overwhelming in a good way for the high and overwhelming in a low for the bad way, um, or in a bad way for that low. Um, But I thought it was just interesting that he suggests retreating to a desolate place in Mark. And we see it happen in Matthew. It says that he went away to a desolate place. Um, But just, it just astounded me. Like that, that was his solution for a high and a low to retreat. You know, after a high, he retreated. After his baptism, that would have been another high. He was in the wilderness alone. And, you know, we're, there's wisdom in that, obviously, for us to glean. Um, We're vulnerable when we're at a high. We're already vulnerable at a low but we're also very vulnerable at a high, and I don't think we think about that. Mm. Anyway, that was just something that I picked up on when I read. That's a good point, though. That excited me. Um, I think it's good for self-care and recalibration when we retreat, you know, making sure that we are, you know, where we need to be. Mm. But, yeah. Anyway, what did y'all find? (laughs) I guess what I found was kind of what you're thinking, but... I thought of it as like Jesus understood the importance of rest 
yeah. you know, to have that high and the low and to rest. And I, while you were talking, I thought about creation. You know, God saw everything at the end and said it was very good and then rested. So I just, I noticed the resting part. Yeah, I think, I think especially now in society today, everybody's all about self-care, self-love, like make sure you take care of yourself. And it's so important. And I think, I don't know, I was only born in 89. So I (sighs) tend to realize that obviously things come back around in trends, you know? And so I think at one point, this was probably really big back then too. But I think now in our society today, especially for, for moms, it's all about you can't take a break because there's mom guilt. Like if you do, you're just the worst mom ever. And but like you said, Stephanie, we look at Jesus and he he understood, you know, you need to take time for yourself. You need to rest. Realize you're not superhuman. You can't do it all. And even Jesus, who was fully God but fully man as well, understood this better than anybody. Like I'm, I am God. I have the power to do it all, but I'm also human. I need to realize that I need that rest. Like I'm not going to do it all and I'm not gonna like be forced into doing it all either, if that makes sense. Um, so yeah, I think that that's a, that's a good point. I should probably go home and tell her Jesus told me to rest. So don't bother me for the <laughs> remainder of the night. <laughs> Let me know how that goes. Yeah, I'll let you know how it goes. Probably probably won't go far. Yeah, but I mean, our self care that we talk about is very different from the world's view of self care. It's not you know going out and blowing a ton of money and going to spas every day and neglecting things. Um, It's not the reason for our self care. I would say isn't even us focused necessarily. Yeah, our self care would be for the glorification of God and the fact that we are the best version of who He needs us to be in order to fulfill our ministry. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Great. so I, there's like the the focus is different, the intent's different, or motive, whatever you want to call it, and then the outcome is different. And it's going to it's gonna look different, but it's going to be true self-care. Because a lot of the things that we see in society, like you mentioned, Brittany, it's very popular right now. Those things aren't true self-care. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are self-sabotage, running up a ton of debt. Yeah. Um, I don't want... I'm yeah, you got to use wisdom in everything. Right. Yeah. Right. Probably. But I mean... I know some people, um, cause I have family members <laughs> that have sent me stuff, you know, it's also popular to, uh, take the extreme opposite view of that. And so I've gotten several little, you know, cute things on Facebook that are Christian. And mm-hmm. I think everything I've seen technically is correct. Um, we can't be so extreme that we completely shut out one side from the other. So just balance, like you said, wisdom in all things, but yeah. No, I was just thinking about how we look at some of these um, other denominations and the preachers in those denominations um, have in their contract sabbatical. So the elders or whoever oversee them are like, okay, you have your vacation time, you have this, whatever, but we're also going to give you sabbatical time. And obviously sometimes we hear, oh no, sabbatical. And we might think that a bad thing, but that's really not a bad thing at all. And the whole point, well, for them anyways, the point of that sabbatical is to be to renew and refresh your spirit with the Lord, you know? And it's just like, we may not be able to afford to take a three-month sabbatical, but to take a, a an hour sabbatical, because a sabbatical is just to break away from the world and really take time for yourself. And so maybe you don't want to use that word sabbatical, but when you hear it, 
it's not a it's not a bad thing you know it's just simply I need to take time away from everything and everyone else so that I can focus on God so I can focus on being the Christian and the servant that it is that he wants me to be and I can't give God my all I can't give him my best service if I'm giving it to everybody else and then I'm giving God whatever it is I have left over because that's not that's not good enough nor is nor is he okay with that you're not just gonna throw him your leftovers so yeah you know good good points yeah so i mean as we as we continue um going down like verse 31 it says the reason that they were going away to rest was they didn't even have leisure to eat i mean they were so surrounded and you keep going and it talks about them going away by themselves um and then we hit verse 34 and i mean jesus had just lost his cousin and the you know disciples had just come back and they're trying to take a break they get to this great crowd again and he has compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd and he began to teach them many things and so we're we are heading right into this feeding of the five thousand um straight in and one of the things that i noticed you know we always talk about the compassion of Jesus, and we actually heard that recently in a sermon somewhere. I can't remember who it was. Actually, I think I was up in Kentucky, Brittany, um, and it was Hiram. <laughs> and he talked about this book that he read, that there was a man who'd done a study on the characteristics of Jesus, and that compassion was the greatest number. Like, that was the thing most mentioned about Jesus was his compassion. And that makes sense. Mm-hmm. We're seeing that here. Um Jesus never had compassion fatigue, which I don't know if I've used that term before with y'all or on here. If I haven't, it means being indifferent to charitable appeals on behalf of those who are suffering. And it's experienced as a result of the frequency of number of such appeals usually. So in overabundance, you're overwhelmed. And if anybody had the right to have compassion fatigue. Yeah, it was definitely Jesus. Jesus. He knew everything about everybody. Um, you know, and so we become kind of desensitized. You know, you see a homeless person on the corner for the first time. Like when I was a kid, I'd, I'd cry every time I saw a homeless person. And then after I had my first child, it was awful. <laughs> I could not see a person on the side of the street with that. I mean, I'm getting goosebumps right now. Like after you have a kid and you have this being that you're ultimately responsible for and thinking like, that's someone's baby sitting there on that sidewalk that has no food to eat and no clothes and nowhere to live. And that could be my kid in 20 years or however many years, you know, if something goes wrong, you know, we hear a lot of times families, most families and households are not most, there are several that are one paycheck away from being on the streets. Um, Jesus didn't have that attitude. I mean, we can get there and we're human and Jesus was human, Um, but Jesus was also God and he was very compassionate and we are to be like him in that way. But it just amazes me that he wasn't that he did, sorry, that he didn't have compassion fatigue, that he would come to a crowd like this in a state of um, sadness himself, grieving, and still be like, oh, you know, I'm going to be here for these people. I'm going to, he said they were without, it says that, you know, they were like sheep without a shepherd. He's going to shepherd them. Not only, you know, is he having compassion on them, like, Jesus doesn't supply all our needs. He does, but he surpasses them. Mm-hmm. You know, these mm-hmm. people, we're going to see that as we get in, you know, and we yeah. see with the food what happens. But anyway, what did y'all have? 
No, I I think what you said was good. I mean, what what needs to be added to that at this moment? Well, I'm sure there's plenty. <laughs> well, I just I don't have any. Well, the only thing I saw was the contrast of visions. Like like you said, Jesus saw a great crowd with a great need, like a sheep without a shepherd. Um, they needed direction, but his disciples saw a crowd. Yeah, they they cared about them enough to go to Jesus and say, hey, send them home. They need to eat. Mm-hmm. You know, even with all that they had experienced with him so far, they still were, they didn't have that faraway vision enough to go to him for different reasons, you know, for him to take care of the situation. But their idea of him taking care of the situation is to send them away. Right. And I mean, that wouldn't, what we're talking about is, you know, in verse 35 and 36, um, his disciples came to him and told him, you know, it's a desolate place. We're kind of in the middle of nowhere and it's getting late. You should send them away um, to the countryside and villages. And he answered them, you give them something to eat. And then they said, are we supposed to go buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them? Um, Which would have been about seven months worth of wages. So it's like us taking seven months worth of our salary and feeding people for one meal. That's a lot of money and a lot of food. Um, But I mean, personally, I think I would have been nervous to presume that Jesus would take care of this because it would have been such an undertaking, even knowing how he could be. And I mean, that's just a way that we misunderstand his character. You know, Jesus wants to care for us, and he requires us to ask him, you know, um, because I think because it humbles us. You know, I think about like James 4, 6, and 1 Peter 5, and, um, sorry, verses 5, 6, and 7. But I think sometimes I'm nervous to ask because I don't want to come across, which this is maybe pride, maybe, I don't know, just... I, I struggle with apologizing for existing sometimes. And so even with Jesus, I'm like, ooh, mm-hmm. should I really give it to him? But, you know, if it is big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. And we have to give everything to Jesus. If it's big enough for us to be thinking about, even once, I mean, especially if we're thinking about it more than once, Jesus wants to take care of that. Like, that's what he said he would do for us. And even if, like I said, I can see where, I guess that's where I'm putting myself in their place. That's what I'm trying to say. Like, I can see how they would be like, oh, like, like, I'm not going to just assume Jesus is feeding 5,000 people. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I see where, you know, to them it wasn't an unreasonable suggestion, but that doesn't make it right. So. But we also have the knowledge of Jesus. We haven't come to it yet, but Jesus teaching them to serve. We have this servant mindset I feel like, oh, he's always serving. He's always taking care of everyone in the world. I probably could take care of this myself and not burden Jesus, but that's the wrong way to think about it. Yeah. And we do work with them. Like, that, mm-hmm. that's part of the job. But go ahead, Brittany. I was just going to say, I, I got that from it too, Dee, as far as the, the servitude of it. Um, because, you know, num- well, first of all, they they've already seen Jesus perform great miracles. And I get I completely get what you're saying. Like, even though I saw Jesus heal a man with a demon, and even though I saw Jesus heals a woman and heals Jairus's daughter and different things like that, even though I saw these things, let's not just assume that he's gonna feed five thousand people. And, you know, furthermore, 
that's only five thousand. Is it only five thousand men? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's more than. Yeah, that. that's, that's not even. That's not even including women and children. Right. So, you know, let's not just assume that he. He will do this, and even to some extent at this point, because they, I still don't think they realize exactly the power that Jesus has. So let's not assume that he will do this, but furthermore, let's not assume that he can do this right now. You know what I mean? And immediately Jesus is like, you do it. Mm-hmm. Like, why do I need to send them away? You And it's that thing is just like, you see a need, you have the opportunity to do something about it or you can do something about it. So make like Nike and just do it. Like, <laughs> don't don't wait for somebody else to do it, you know? Um, it wasn't too long ago, there was a, a, a point made. Well, that's gonna come. Okay, well, I was the one that made the point. I was teaching a lesson. But anyways, I was saying, you know, it's real easy for us to like go through all our clothes and different things like that. And you say, hey, I'm just gonna drop this off to the Goodwill or whatever. And that's a good thing. But like, don't, um, don't always wait for somebody else to do it for you. Like, I'm going to drop this off at the Goodwill. I'm going to let the Goodwill sort through it and give it to whoever. When you probably see tons of people every day or somebody right within your congregation that, that has a need. And instead of letting Goodwill do the work for you, you do it yourself. You know, like, don't wait for somebody else to do the work that you, you can take the time to do, you know? And so, yeah, I, I saw the, the service. That's what stuck out to me, the service aspect of it. Like, Jesus is like, yeah, I know they're hungry, so feed them. Yeah. And what we see, I lo- you know, we know Jesus is the greatest teacher that ever existed. And that's what he's doing here at the beginning of this passage that we're looking at. He's modeling that for them. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he also hasn't eaten. He's also, he's grieving and he takes compassion on them and starts teaching them. He's serving them. And then he turns around and he's like, you know, this is what I do with my kids. Like I model it for you and now I expect you to do it. Come with, you know, and so, and they, do they actually feed the people? No, they don't. Jesus does. But I mean, he makes that point. He makes that point and they do, they are there for that. And I'm sure they help serve it. But I mean, he's the one that provides Mm -hmm. as we get down, as we go into verse, um, 37 yeah um it says or sorry 38 he said to them how many loaves do you have go and see and when they had found out they said five and two fish and so you know he has them sit down in the green grass and i don't know this to me it's so nostalgic it reminds me of when i was like six or seven (laughs) you know in bible class which i'd heard it before at that point but how neat it was like wow Five loaves and two little fish. Mm-hmm. You know, every I feel like all you know all the kids know this story. So, yeah. but anyway, sorry, I was looking at Dee. She was smiling. It made me think of it. Well, I was smiling because I was thinking he told them go and see. So, can you imagine them going to everybody? Um, how much food you got? Hey, yeah. how much food? It's you know a humbling thing to. And he already knew. Yeah, he knew. Of how course, he knew. Had. In front, you know, he made them go out there, go and see. So. I wonder if they'd already eaten all their food at this point since it was late. Maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, any of them that, that had carried been, anything, like lunchtime would have been past. Mm-hmm. It's hours late, yeah. so. So can you see them coming back going, um, so we only have five yeah. loaves <laughs> and two fish, you know. Right. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And, it, you know, it's kind of like us today, 
Okay, so this is my situation, and um, yeah, this yeah. is all I've got. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, we, we know the rest of the story. I mean, just to summarize it, he has them sit down, and they, you know, they obey, obviously, and he says a prayer, mm-hmm. and then he divides it, but he doesn't actually divide it. He multiplies it. Yeah. You know, yeah. through division, which is a really weird thing to think about because when you divide something, typically you have less, less. of it, mm-hmm. but he yeah. had more of it the more he divided. And, um, you know, I mentioned earlier that he doesn't just supply our needs, he surpasses them. There was so much that they were all satisfied. And they took up 12 full baskets of broken pieces and of the fish. Full baskets. Full, yeah. yeah. And it makes me think about that verse that we studied last season in Ephesians, you know, Jesus does abundantly more than all we can ask or imagine. Because I highly doubt when the disciples were like, all right, we need to send people away. Mm-hmm. They were thinking this is how it was going to end. Yeah. Yeah. What a shocking turn of events. I yeah. thought about, so he had, Jesus had his disciples get the crowd to sit in, you know, what groups of hundreds and fifties. So here they are organizing all this situation can you imagine being in the crowd so you're possibly meeting 49 other people or you know 99 other people talking and hey where you're from and how did you hear about jesus and you know it's like a almost a fellowship meal of sorts but you know what i thought about i thought when you hear that and when you see that i get a picture of heaven yeah like you're going to be in heaven with people that you've never met before in your life. True. You know, you're going to, I, I believe that we will be able to recognize each other. Although things will obviously be different. I believe that I will be able to recognize Stephanie and Dee and Hiram and my kids and everybody else. I believe that I'll be able to recognize them, but it's just like, I'm going someplace where I have never been before. And I'm seeing hundreds and thousands and millions of people that I have never met before. And to know that we all had one thing in common, and that was Jesus. And even when you see these people sitting here, you know, to hear Jesus is preaching and teaching, and then he feeds them, it's just like, I've never met y'all before, never seen y'all before in my life. But we all have one thing in common. And that's Jesus. And I just think that's such a great thing. Like whether all of these people that heard Jesus stuck with it or whether some fell away at that at that particular moment, because they didn't know that Jesus was going to feed them. Mm -hmm. So at that particular moment, they all had Jesus in common. There's all we all see that there's something great about this man and we need to hear what he's saying. And so when I when I read this and I and I think about that and all these people that were sitting and fellowshipping, it's like a big heavenly party. Now, can you imagine being up there and being like, so how did you come to know Jesus? I was yeah. at the feeding of the five thousand. Yeah. Which they wouldn't say that'd be like, oh well, you know, I went to hear this man named Jesus and there were a bunch of people and he sat us all down and we ate fish and bread. I yeah. read about yeah. you. I read about you. <laughs> Like, that'll be, because, I mean, we know there's going to be at least, hopefully, at least one. 5,000. Twelve. Yeah, yeah. Man. That's going to be awesome. Yeah, that is going to be awesome. I never thought of it like that before. Yeah. A large fellowship meal. Yeah. Eating the bread of life. We all love a good fellowship meal. Oh, we do. (laughs) We do. Pass the pie. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. 
Amazing. All right. Well, do y'all have anything else to add? Mm-hmm. No? All right. That brings us to the end of our passage today. And we need to ask the question that we always ask. And that is, where do you all see the love of Christ? Brittany? I see it in the heavenly party. Everybody has one thing in common at that point, And that one thing is is Jesus. And like I said before, whether everybody's stuck with it or not, I, I see it in this big heavenly par- party, but I also see it in the fact that Jesus always provides. He always provides. And even when, you know, we're stressed and we can't figure out, you know, you know, all of us have had financial issues from time to time. And so it's just like when you're thinking about what am I going to feed my kids or are we going to be able to make it financially this month? Am I going to have all the money that I need or, or, or whatever it is. The, kid, the kids need this. I need that. I see his love. I see the love of Christ and the fact that he is always willing to provide for his children. And he does it abundantly every time. Every time. you find, And then you look back later and you're thinking, man, I stress for no reason. But God had it under control the entire time. So... Yeah. Jehovah Jireh. Yep. I see it in verse 38 when he asks them, you know, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. So he's like, how many do you have? You know, I'm going to show you what I have. But you go, you see, you get humble, you go put some, you know, faces to these people that you're going to be the pillars of the church to. You go and see, and we're going to learn a lesson here. So that's how, where I see his love, because he's just about to show them a great thing. And yeah, I don't know, just I think yeah. it's awesome. I like what you said there, though, because, you know, a lot of times we don't put faces to the people. I said earlier, I was talking about how Jesus doesn't have compassion fatigue. That's probably why he never had it. Jesus always put a face to the person. Well, or more than a face, a soul. Mm-hmm. I mean, he always had the soul in mind. I know I struggle with that. You know, seeing people as souls instead of mm-hmm. just people. Me too. You know, but I do like that. That was a very good point. All right, well, I see it in verse 37 um, where he says, you know, you give them something to eat. And then, like you said, Dean, that, you know, he has them go out and find out how much they have. But I see it in the fact that he allows us the ability to be partners with him. Like, I, I will never not be in awe at the just the blessing that it is that we are allowed to even partake of this in the smallest smallest way that we can you know we are called to be servants but I mean God is he is I mean just and we, we are allowed to exist and he he allows us to have the opportunity to be a part of his ultimate scheme of redemption and we, we get to be on one side of that and we get to choose he doesn't pick it for us. And that's why I see his love. All right. Well, that's it for today. Thanks again for joining us. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out. We'd love to study with you or connect you to someone local to you who can do that. As always, we hope you'll seek to know the love of Christ in your own life. And until next time. You can reach out to us on Facebook or Instagram. We would love to hear from you. And be sure to click like and share this episode with family and friends. In doing so, you're sharing the love of Christ.